Welcome, folks, to Brand of Man Ministries, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. I am Will Hunsaker, and in our previous episode on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we opened our Bibles to Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6, where we learned of the grace of God through the purpose of the Father. Now, in today's episode, we turn to Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10 where we are again shown the grace of God, but this time through the mission of his son, Jesus Christ. So the teaching from the Apostle Paul is now going to expand on the purpose of the Father, which is God's plan for the redemption of his people. This plan involves God choosing us in Christ prior to our creation. Paul refers to this as predestination. So this is not a new concept. This wasn't a concept developed by Augustine or Calvin of your earlier reformists. This is a biblical concept in scripture multiple times. I'll say it again. This plan of God involves him choosing us in Christ prior to our creation. So now Paul turns to the work of Christ and the benefit of that work. So let's go right to the text from the Apostle Paul, beginning in verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. So what Paul's describing here is the benefit of God's grace in predestination. And he's using two biblical concepts, redemption and remission. So first, Paul expresses God's grace in redemption through the blood of his son. That's in verse 7. So when we redeem something in the biblical context, you either purchase it or receive it at a cost. And it carries with it the sense of being released from slavery. It's often used uh, in biblical text and text from antiquity of this period surrounding the slave market, redemption. But Paul emphasizes that this redemption was accomplished in a unique way, by blood. This was a point emphasized in the covenants of the Old Testament, especially in the sacrificial system under the Mosaic Covenant, to where blood was used as a vehicle to redeem sin of Israel, both corporately as, as Israel's a nation and individually through various ways in the sacrificial system. So it was a type and a shadow of things to come in Christ. This is a point that Paul also would emphasize through many of his writings, along with the 
Apostle Peter, specifically in in First Peter chapter one verses eighteen through nineteen, I believe, and from the Apostle John in Revelation, where John writes, "For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God, for every tribe, and language, and people, and nation." Revelation five nine. Next, Paul expresses God's grace in remission which is also a benefit of the shed blood of Christ. Remission and redemption go hand in hand. One always accompanies the other. As we we also read in verse 7, he purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So remission is simply another word for forgiveness. He purchased our freedom, that's the redemption part, and forgave our sins, that's the remission. The more literal translation for sin here, forgiving our sin, in verse 7, is is the word trespass. That's a more literal English uh, translation. And when we trespass, this is why this is significant, we cross boundaries that are set for us by God. So in that context, remission, forgiveness, includes our sinful nature and our continual sin. And that's accomplished because Christ is eternal. When his work was accomplished, it was accomplished in the eternal sense. So sin and our sinful condition of past, present, and future are not only redeemed, but forgiven. Now, let's look at one other significant point that I feel needs to be made here concerning God's grace, as seen in verse 7. Paul writes, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom. Now, I would like you to note here that God did not purchase our freedom from his riches in kindness and grace, but in accordance with his riches and kindness and grace. In other words, God did not pull a small amount of grace from his vast wealth to atone for our sins. The grace of God is who God is. This is a a critical aspect for us to remember about God's grace. When God gave his grace, verse 8 says he showered us with it. When Paul writes that God purchased our freedom and forgave our sins through the blood of his son, we receive the fullness of God's grace. Not, Not a pinch of it or a teaspoon or a cup or even a truckload. No, we received it all. This is why there's nothing that can be done to earn it or maintain it. And in his grace, we receive all the wisdom and understanding we will ever need to rest in Christ. We don't receive all wisdom and understanding because the context of those verses are about the work of Christ. We receive God's grace and the wisdom and and understanding necessary to come to Christ, to rest in him. How do we know, though, that God has provided us with redemption and remission? Well, Paul teaches that God has revealed it to us in his word, through his will. He alone decided to do that. We didn't discover it. He revealed to us his plan of redemption. He revealed it. 
God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ from the Apostle Paul, which is to fulfill his own good plan. That's verse 9. So this plan of redemption began as a covenant promise in Genesis 3.15 and slowly progressed through additional covenants, five to be exact, Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David. And they were all exposing types and shadows of things to come, all culminating in a new covenant through the blood of Christ, specifically referenced in the Gospels. Matthew 26, 28 is a good one to look at. This is all done by the grace of God. So the knowledge of God and of his plan of redemption really has nothing to do with us. Now, I hear a lot of pearl clutching out there. The knowledge of it, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of his plan of redemption don't have anything to do with us. The Word of God is not a yearbook where we fan through the pages trying to find ourselves in it. We know these things, God's Word. We know these things of God and His plan only because He deemed it so. Otherwise, we would not know. So why, then, has God chosen through His grace to reveal these things to us? Because He made this plan before the foundations of the world. This is the enormity of his grace. And we find that in verse four, Ephesians one, verse four. We are a central part of the plan. No mistake in that. But we are not the plan itself. The knowledge of God and of his plan is all about God. We are in, in essence, at the center of the hourglass of time, but still we're only one grain of sand in that hourglass. We're at the center of it, but we're not the hourglass. So when that last grain of God's plan falls, he alone will unify all things in all of creation under his son. This is the grace of God. This is the vastness of it. It's not a, a, a quick term to use. It's not a bumper sticker, the grace of God. This is a very significant thing. Paul writes, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Ephesians 1 verse 10. Folks, this is the purpose of God. That by his grace, see the significance of grace here? That by his grace, he would redeem his people through his son. And what Paul tells the Ephesians still holds true today. God's plan and purpose is essentially our plan and purpose. We don't have a plan outside of God. We Christians have a tendency, due to our fallen state, no doubt, to puff out our chests with pride for being predestined by God to come to his son. I believe this is primarily due to our misplaced notion that we have it coming somehow because we understand the concept of predestination and the will of God so well. You know, if, if Christians really 
truly understood what God's grace provides in predestination, they would not beam with pride. They would not endlessly argue asking questions like, how could God choose some and not others? Nor would they claim to have the right to everything under the sun because creation is all about them. We have the right to do that. No, they would do none of those things and many more. Instead, they would shiver to the ground before the vast power of an almighty God who, in his good pleasure, chose to pour out his grace upon them through the blood of his son. So what can we learn from these verses about God's grace? Because that's what Paul's entire letter is about. Well, we learn very quickly that God's grace abides in him and flows from him alone. It is about redemption and forgiveness and a revelation of himself to his people through Jesus Christ. It is without a doubt the most powerful, divine, unmerited gift that can be received on either side of glory. Once we understand that, peace and rest in Christ will never be far away. Thank you for listening. And next up on Open Your Bible, we will turn to Ephesians 1 verses 11 through 14 and continue with the grace of God, but this time through the assurance of the Spirit. Grace and peace be with you all. And remember, the Bible cannot mean anything different today than it did back then. God bless you.